Hello, welcome to FinTech Impacts. I'm your host, Jason Ferreira. Today on the show, I have a repeat visitor. Well, a repeat company, not a repeat visitor. And I have Maya Pochi Raju, VP of Product at Payability. Payability was on the show previously last year in the earlier stages of COVID around June, July, where they started to experience some of the growth challenges that were <laughs> unique to the COVID world. And I brought them back on the show to talk about the challenges that have faced retailers and themselves in scaling to a giant shift to online business. And with that, here's my interview with Maya. Maya, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here today. My pleasure. Well, excited. I always like when people say they're excited. <laughs> excited to talk to me. I don't think so. Kidding. So let's get on with it. So Maya Pochi Raju of Payability. Refresh our memory for everybody listening as to who Payability is. Definitely. So Payability really sits at the intersection of e-commerce financing and payments. We're really the core financial platform for all e-commerce sellers, providing both financing and payment solutions to help our customers scale and grow their businesses. That is succinct and perfect. Okay. So Basically, the uh, essentially when you're talking about scaling, typically vendor financing is the biggest issue, right? So they need to people need to buy more inventory in order to get it on the market because there's lag times in terms of delivery of that inventory. But cash flow becomes such a bottleneck for start for companies. I actually just spoke at an EO entrepreneurs organization session on Cash Day, and boy, the discussions around working capital and uh, getting people to understand the needs there. So basically, you guys have been in this market for quite a while. Yeah, I think you're one of the earlier players in this space. Is that correct? Definitely, we've been around for six years, so um, have seen a lot and really have a ton of data that we leverage on a daily basis to continue to serve our customers. So let's talk about that data and let's talk about the pre-COVID world and we'll talk about what happened after and we'll talk about it from the consumers, from the your consumers, which are companies, to your standpoint and how you adapted. But how is it that you are able to provide financing? Give me your methodology. Definitely. So we're really unique. We don't rely on traditional methods like FICO of the founder or anything like mm -hmm. that, but really tap into the unique data sets provided by marketplaces and platforms. So think the Amazons or Shopify's of the world. We're able to tap into their data through APIs and really use e-commerce specific metrics to underwrite our customers. And what that results in is us being able to support some of the smallest customers who've done 90 days of sales, $2,000 a month, all the way up to customers that have been selling for years, doing millions of dollars a month in sales. And it's really that access to unique data and then the proprietary machine learning algorithms that we've built, but more importantly, trained over six years that allow us to continue to serve our customers in a really unique and customized way. And I mean, this is a common theme amongst the alternative lenders we've had in the space. I mean, when you go to deal with a traditional bank, they look at the simpler, time-proven, easier, faster things for them, which is limited based on the fact that a human being is reviewing that. But when you throw so many points of data, and I'm curious, how many points of data do you guys typically consume on an average case? Yeah, we're consuming over 17... 1,700 data points on an average customer. And what's really unique about our business, and if you think about our flagship product, which is instant access, and it really is targeted at cash flow challenges that our customers face. And so the product provides daily payments based on yesterday's sales, really unlocking capital for our customers. And with that, we have to actually underwrite on a daily basis. And so the access to that data and being able to mm. automate and really have the vast majority of those decisions made by the machines and by the underwriting algorithms allows us to scale and is something that we're really proud of as a company that we've been able to do over the last six years. 
Yeah, and I'll I'll say this much: the um, when you think about it, this sort of stuff was not available before that, right? The ability to vendor finance in this such a ma- such a manner, technology had to catch up with the amount of data that was available, as well as the data in being the, in the cloud. And I'll also say this much: anyone who is not necessarily a business owner who's seen a fast-moving business that requires inventory probably has a hard time just kind of wrapping their head around this. But if you really want a good lesson on this, go read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. And see how close to the like literally every dollar and penny he had to buy inventory went out to buy shoes to come in because he was selling them that fast. And it almost on multiple occasions bankrupted the company. It can be a real hindrance or it can be really endangering to go too far with this. So companies like yours providing a service, I'm sure back in the day, he would have loved that. Assuming he was and, online. And we hear that all the time from our customers. Just recently, one of our customers you know, shared with us that cash flow is really the life of their business. And especially waiting extended periods of times for their funds can really tie up their business and limit their ability to grow completely. And so with payability, this customer of ours was able to really invest into newer products faster. Inventory continues to be one of the core use of funds for our customers um, and continue to scale and grow his business over the last year. So pre-pandemic, the world's trotting along. E-commerce growth is growing at a nice sustainable rate. And then suddenly no one can go outside. And kablammo, online sales go through the roof. Talk about the challenge that presented for your customer base. Yeah. So just to level set, you know, our customers are all e-commerce sellers of varying sizes. So as I mentioned, it could be a seller as new as three months in business, all the way up to someone who's been in business for years. But the challenges were really unique to each seller, but came primarily from this increase in demand. So while our customers had an increase in demand, they had to now make sure they could actually service it. And so that was, how do they get their hands on more inventory faster? How do they actually finance that inventory? How do they continue to invest and grow in their business? And so what really set us up to help our customers meet the moment um, and continue to capitalize on this incredible growth opportunity for their businesses was being able to quickly modify our algorithms, quickly risk assess how we could understand, you know, which customers really needed more funding at what time to invest in their inventory, looking at trends in, you know, changes in seasonality. Suddenly outdoor goods were at an all-time high um, at different times of the year. And so just paying attention to little things like that, you know, camping gear, suddenly more exciting. So being able to understand and really dive into the details of the data to say, hey, these sellers really need funding because they're seeing the highest increase in demand. Let's go proactively, get offers out in front of them, make sure they know payability is going to be a partner for them as they continue to grow and scale their businesses was a huge advantage. And we really attribute a lot of that to two core things. One is, again, that data moat. It's one thing to try and stand up a, you know, a company that looks at data, but having six years of that proprietary data moat just allowed our machine learning algorithms to have access to a wealth of knowledge to continue to quickly iterate and meet the moment. Um, and then the second part is really just talking to our customers. We really are a tech company first. We see the algorithms and the platform that we've invested in to be the growth and kind of foundation of the business. But at the end of the day, you know, we're humans on the other side too. And we really take our relationship with our customers seriously. And so our customer service team, our sales team, our product team got on the phone with our customers to really understand, you know, is there more than we're seeing? How can we continue to help and how can we continue to grow? And that relationship that we've built with our customers really helped us be their preferred partner through the year of chaos we've we've all seen. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it was a challenge you probably didn't see before because frankly, I mean, I'm sure a lot of companies that reached out for financing, was that legitimately for, for inventory or was that to stay alive? That was a, don't get me wrong, I'm sure you dealt with that on some scale before of is this, you know, solvency or is this inventory, but magnified to just the nth degree in this case. Most certainly. And I think part of it was 
sellers were also looking for someone to help them invest that money strategically. So it's not just, hey, I need capital, give me cash, but how do you then help me invest that in the most strategic way possible? So we have one of our core payment products, which is a payability seller card. And that allows our customers to spend their funds immediately and on the go. And with the use of that card, we were able to say, hey, let's let's look at where you're spending your money. Let's see where you're getting the best returns and let's continue to give you capital to go invest in those high growth opportunities, whether it's marketing or inventory. And I think as we continue to think about our product roadmap going forward, really that understanding of how do we not just give you the capital, but then help you invest it in strategic ways to grow your business is really where we're continuing to head. Excellent. So now that was their challenge. How your challenge in terms, I mean, you had this data mode, that was fine, but how can you, are you able to share just how much your lending volumes increased over that period of time? Yeah, so we have done to date almost four and a half billion dollars worth of financing. A large majority of that was done last year. We did over, I think, 1.5 billion last year in financing. And it was really how do we continue to be there for our customers, make sure they can rely on us to have the capital that they need. Um, and it really goes back to kind of our core model and our business model and product model, which is both of our financing products are really micro duration in nature. And so we're quickly able to get customers more money with our daily payments products, even with our instant advance product. And that micro duration nature really allowed us to continue to scale and grow the volume of capital that we could provide our customers without having to make massive sweeping changes kind of on the financing side behind the scenes. I think the other big part was growing the company. It's hard to continue to grow the number of users you support without growing your headcount and your talent and the team. And so we've made a ton of investments on just the team side, growing our engineering team a ton, investing in this year, a new head of growth marketing, a new head of sales who just came over from Stripe recently. So continuing to make sure that we're growing a team that is able to continue to scale with our customers, because that's a big part of it is, you know, we want to make sure that our quality of service continues to improve, um, especially as we grow our headcount. Yeah. People is always the, when it comes to scaling, every time I ask that question, people is always the number one thing that comes up. It's it's already hard enough to find good engineers, but especially in a competitive market where everything's going digital, it's it's extra hard. So, as a product um, person, I understand that more than ever. I'm always looking to augment our engineering and product teams. Just be glad you're not using like legacy stuff, like in other financial sectors of the economy. And we're looking for COBOL programmers, that would be uh, hell. So uh, let's go back a sec. Micro duration, define micro duration for the audience, please. Yeah, definitely. So we really think about these as short-term capital. Mm -hmm. So thinking about our instant advance product, for example, most of our instant advances that we provide are capital advances to our customers to invest in inventory or advertising. And so instead of giving you two-year term loan or something like that, that is really long-term, we're able to be targeted and say, hey, you have an inventory purchasing opportunity coming up today. How do we quickly today get you the cash in hand and then allow you to use your future sales to actually pay that off over the next 16 to 20 weeks? and continue to re-up that as those inventory opportunities come up. So we really think about how can we make our financing and our products very targeted to the e-commerce world. E-commerce small business owners look and feel very different than a traditional SMB. And we want to make sure our products really understand that. And that's a, that's a part of our customer experience. Excellent. So the world in this crisis continues to evolve. And what was once a, everybody's going inside, and now you have a scaling problem. Your customers now are facing an even greater challenge or a well, different challenge in that their supply chains are just so messed up now. I mean, the the backlog 
for shipping containers to come out of, to get into harbor at this point is unprecedented on, in U.S. ports. So that, in terms of the amount of time it takes them to get their goods, has to be impacting how you lend to some degree. How are you adapting to that? Definitely. And, you know, supply chain issues continue to be a, a, a challenge. And, you know, we hopefully see this as a temporary one for our customers, but have definitely adapted and continue to think about how we can modify our product and our operations to meet that challenge. So I think the first is just continuing to make sure our prices are, are affordable for our sellers and really leaning in heavy on our risk models to be able to lower pricing, especially for our low risk sellers. I think the second part is really thinking about how we match our terms and continue to think about that inventory buying cycle and understand that it might be changing. So as you mentioned, you know, supply chain challenges have caused this increase in kind of time to actually get inventory from upstream vendors to our customers. And so taking that into consideration with the term length of our advances is definitely something that we're trying to do. So we can continue to be there for our customers. And then longer term, really thinking about this in our product growth more generally. So how do we understand that, you know, supply chain will come in different fluctuations over the course of time. And we want to make sure our products continue to be scalable. So we don't have to immediately adapt them in the moment, but rather just lean on the fact that they are scalable, they are flexible and always able to be there for our customers. But definitely, you know, see supply chain challenges as hopefully something that's temporary, something that, you know, will continue to, that will not continue to be the biggest challenge, but for the moment, really thinking about how we can leverage the flexibility in our terms and our pricing to be there for our customers. Yeah, no doubt. It might be very convenient and affordable at a, at a 30 days or 15 days, but if that starts getting expanded to 45, 50, 60, 90 days, that is probably going to be a little bit stressful. And also on the, you know, not just in the business front, but this financing front. So you know, sure, you know how to, how to adapt there. Interesting times. <laughs> We Excellent. definitely live in them. <laughs> no, this has been great. I think yeah, I'm sure if people go back and contrast the previous conversation to this one, hearing kind of the journey is, it's not going to surprise uh, some of these aspects, but how you've adapted, shown shown a very good degree of uh, being able to pivot when <laughs> The world falls down around you, quite honestly. Definitely. It's something we're really proud of, our ability to grow and scale and really attribute it to the you know, experience of our team, the investment we've made in our platform and in our technology. I can't harp on that enough. Really, the technology is what drives this business and what drives our customer experience. So last year was a test for everyone. And you know, we continue to see challenges and expect we will continue to see them, but know that our team and our platform is really ready to meet them. So our e-commerce sellers can continue to grow their businesses. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everyone just on a positive note. The first one is, if you had one wish or something you can change in your business or the industry as a whole, what would it be? That's a great question. I would say that. I always catch everyone. (laughs) That's a really good one. I'll take it from from the industry standpoint, you know, and I'd say continue as an industry to lean in on making data accessible. When I think about really the power of our business and the power of what we can do for e-commerce sellers, a lot of it lies in having access to these vast data sets, which really are owned by our sellers, but shared with us through a vast number of different platforms and marketplaces. And so the e-commerce marketplaces have done a fantastic job of giving their sellers access to share data so that we don't have to rely on traditional metrics like FICO of the founder, but instead can lean in on e-commerce specific metrics. So I guess plea to the industry to continue to make data accessible on both the consumer side and the small business side. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> not to say it's easy, but man, is there is there a need for some sort of like easy AI driven data lake solution for small business so that they can just put in a username or whatever it is and draw out all that data and not have to worry about curating it and then making it readily accessible. But that is no small feat. But if it ever anyone ever gets there, look out AWS. That's the that's the core. That's the key to the future. <laughs> that's Bezos is just broken his chin down. 
<laughs> if he was listening, that is, he sure he doesn't listen. All right, second question, challenges. What has been the biggest challenge in getting to where you are today? And I'm going to re rephrase that. And what's been the biggest challenge in ADAPT since the last time I interviewed you guys a year ago? Yeah, I think a big part of it just continues to be growing the team, the scale at which we need to grow the team and invest in our engineering. We we have this roadmap. We know where we want to go. We've talked to our customers. The challenge is always how can you execute as quickly as possible? And the biggest limiting factor to executing is having the right talent, making sure that you're able to quickly scale your engineering team. And I know we're not unique in having that, but I guess another call to action for anyone listening, if you're looking for a product role, an engineering role, um, we're continuing to grow and scale our, our team here and really see this as a way to continue to serve our customers. Yeah, I feel like a lot of ways my podcast is nothing but a giant uh, help wanted ad, given everybody <laughs> coming on board. And the the other piece of this is that, uh, so for the record, you're two for two, two most common answers to both those first two questions are clean data and people. So <laughs> no surprise there. The last one, no one ever answered. Well, not really the same way. Let's see if you get the most common answer. Last question, what excites you the most about what it is you're working on today and keeps you motivated to keep on getting up and fight the good fight? Yeah, hopefully this one will be a little more unique to me. We really, everyday payability, we're waking up to help serve the next generation of entrepreneurs. And as a child of entrepreneurs, as someone who grew up in a family of small business owners, it, there's nothing more motivating than waking up every single day to work with an extremely talented team and say, how do we make sure that this next generation of entrepreneurs is able to realize the full potential of their business, focus on the things that matter and really unlock all of their potential. So thank you very much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Second person from your company to do so and, and providing us kind of the, we now have a pre-mortem and post-mortem of having to deal with uh, all the challenges we've seen in the last year or so. So uh, yeah, I think it'll provide for an interesting case study. Thank you. Really appreciate you having us on. My pleasure. So that was my interview with Maya Puchi Raja of Payability. I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you <laughs> will go back and listen to the original podcast. We were just starting to deal with COVID. And now this is the, again, postmortem. So I thought it made for an interesting bookend to their story. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever is it your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.